Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we are then. It's the Manchester City Hour, and uh, it's an hour of fun because there's lots to talk about. There's lots of positives. I'm joined, I'm Ian Cheeseman, by Paul Lake, the city legend, and Danny Fanzone Jackson from City Square and lots of other places as well. So, welcome along, chaps. Are you smiling today? Cheesy, I'm always smiling, but we've had a, a bit of good news on the way in. I mean, you two seem a little bit uncertain about it, but they've turned into what they've morphed into us from 30 years ago. These who, are now. Who are we possibly we're, we're just poking about a here? little bit of fun at the guys from Stretford, uh, the, the guys who were uh, struggling for a manager. Uh, because they've got rid of Jose Mourinho. Twenty-four million pound payoff. Bye, bye, Jose. Something I said on this show, cheesy, fourteen months ago. They need to sack Mourinho and they need to spend five hundred million. Well, one part of that is coming true, and I get the feeling whoever they bring in, and there's not many decent managers out there for me. There's no money. If you, were, you know, Lakey, if we were going to get rid of Pep Guardiola now, is there a manager you could put your finger on that would be a good replacement? I don't think there is. I don't think there's anybody that'd excite me. And even when you've had to put up with Jose Mourinho for three years. I still don't think there's anybody out there. So it's great fun. And you two seem a little bit less excited than I do, but I, want him I love to stay. it. I, I want him to have another three years. <laughs> I wanted him to, to sort of... No, the thing is, though, is like you say, is it's, it's fascinating when you when you think about it, how, you know, for all this this measure of time, that a guy that has been in the past so successful has, has, has undermined a squad of players where the egos are fantastic because that's the game today. And instead of him managing the egos of his team, of, of his players, the players have had to manage the manager's ego for so long. And it's just absolutely preposterous. But the bottom line is that they now have got to fudge their way through a club the size of Man United to fudge their way through the remainder of the season. See, now you're getting into it, Lakey. It's I can see it. It's mate. It's just ridiculous. And, and I mean, obviously, we, we've got friends who are Reds. And, and on the one hand... The majority of my fr- mates. You've got friends who are Reds. Yeah, I don't talk about it often, but yeah, I have. <laughs> no, but they're always saying that, that they wanted him to go. Well, all of my mates said they wanted him to go. They weren't happy with him at all. But like Danny was saying there, is who comes in now and actually in the future, who is out there unless you're going to bring um, you know, Sir Alex back? Yeah, and well, I saw a tweet. Uh, as soon as this story broke, somebody tweeted me and said, um, City have gotten uh, fine because for, for, I'd, I'd made some comment about sad to see him go and everything like that very sarcastically and this, this person who tweeted me back said uh, yeah it's alright for you to say that your club's got no history but the thing is and I didn't reply this United have got no present, have they? And I know which or, I'd rather or future, have. Which is the which is the key thing, you know. They, you know, they, this is a 
a major event, you know, for a club the size of Man United to admit they have just made a complete mistake in signing Jose Mourinho. I mean, the, you know, the special one he may have been 10, 15 years ago, but this is a guy managerially that has not evolved at all. His style of football is prehistoric. Um, it's it, it's ran its course. You know, and you look at the likes of Pochettino, you look at the likes of Guardiola, you look at the likes of Klopp that have taken it to a new level now in terms of style of play. You know, his defensive mindedness to get results isn't the way to go these days, without a shadow of a doubt. But you I mean he even missed out uh, Emery there because even even his style of play would have suited Man United. I mean, in in the history of Man United, we've always known they've been an attacking side, and you know, for United fans in particular, entertaining and very successful. But you know, the the thirty. There's a 38 goal difference between Manchester City and Manchester United, and we're not not to mention 18 points as well. Yeah, but it's just you just can't fathom it. And who'd have thought that many years ago we'd be having this conversation now? It's just, I mean, it is. It's for special. So he is giving us his special moment, hasn't he? He Might not be the special anymore, but he's giving us his special moment. Surely the perfect fit, though, as as either temporary or hopefully long term. Manager now would be somebody pragmatic like Sam Allardyce. You know, get him in there and stop it, Jeezy. <laughs> Come on, stop it, Jeezy. He'd, he'd be a good fit, wouldn't he? Perfect. Seriously, Frank Perfect. Clark could be available. Yeah, he'll stay. He'll stave off relegation as big Sam as he always does. So that's about their level at the moment. So yeah, bring in Sam. Let's get a petition going on excess. Bring in Sam. What do you reckon? <laughs> Hashtag bring in Sam. Right, let's move on now and let's talk about let's talk about City, our club. The club that uh, that is giving us so much joy and so much pleasure at the moment. I think that was a tough game against Everton at the weekend, um, and to, and with all the injury situation, obviously KDB came on again towards the end. Aguero was sat on the bench. Mendy's not fit. We know the long list of injuries. David Silva. How can you cope without a player like David Silva? But they still beat Everton three-one, which I thought was highly impressive. I mean, if you look at the derby that Liverpool had against uh, Everton and and how they set themselves up, obviously Liverpool should have won the game. But, you know, they, they took it right to the wire, you know, and you, so you knew what you're going to come up against. They had their strongest side out. And at the same time, if we're being uh, honest about the performance against Hoffenheim, you have to say that there were three or four, four players that were below par. I felt that you had, uh, looking at John Stones, looking at Kyle Walker, looking at uh, Ilkay Gundogan, they almost looked a little bit battle-weary for me. But yet, come the weekend... Those players, I mean, obviously John wasn't on, wasn't in the start at eleven. But you'd be looking at Ilkay Gundogan in particular, who I think has got a bit of a a rough time with certain City fans. What you think, Danny? But I think he has. I thought he was excellent. But the one player who we always talk about as City fans, but the, the footballing world doesn't still doesn't talk about him enough for me is Fernandinho. I thought he was absolutely incredible at the weekend. And when you have players like him, last season I thought we always had one player who would take the team to 10 out of 10. I had that extra little bit every single game. The goals were shared across the whole of the team. And there was always there were always a 7 and an 8, but one player took it to 10. And Sane and Sterling have been that player obviously David Silva has this season. We've got Kevin De Bruyne now coming back. Who it was great to see him on the pitch, but with other players like you know Mahrez in particular now. But I just feel like if we can just build momentum now up to the Liverpool game, that's going to be the game where I think that could actually decide the uh, the really? season. I, I think it could be that big, yeah. Well, I, I thought the performance against Everton was bearing in mind what you just said there, the players that were missing in that game. I mean, what other team, what other squad could afford to lose the likes of, or not start with Sterling, De Bruyne, Silva, Mendy? You know, these are core players for City. These are players that if everybody's fit, they start. So that's, you know, that's a third of the, more than a third of the team missing. 
this is a team against Everton that, you know, we've not had the greatest results against, you know, I think we've only won two of the last seven at home against them prior to prior to weekend. I thought we were in total control. I, I mean, I, I maybe saw that game differently to other people because people felt that Everton were in it at points. I never for a minute did. Even at 2-1, I didn't, I felt that we'd just click up that gear again within five minutes or so. We'd, we'd got the third. Um, I thought the way that Everton set up against us really just showed the massive negativity uh, with that five at the back. And it was a rigid five, wasn't it? It. You know, they well, literally spread the. Yeah, but Danny, think about it. When when they but they did try to play as high up the pitch, they, and at times they they did go three at three at the back with us. They, they did sort of try to interchange it. They tried to go to a high press, especially from like dead ball situations. They tried to really stretch the pitch, which not many teams have got the courage to come and do. And you know, there was one moment in the first half where uh, the ball's going over the top to uh, just over Kyle Walker's head. And Bernard didn't get hold of it. That was Zulan in the game. So they did try something different, which again asked different questions of, of, of City. But you're absolutely right in terms of then getting behind the ball. But we know that that just plays into our hands anyway, because sooner or later we'll create a chance. But for me, the one thing that was really interesting was the fact that when we did stretch, when, we, when they tried to play out from the back, it just shows you the level that we are at. Because teams, they've got some good players, you know, recognised international players, but they try to play out from the back against City. And you just show that that's the quality you need to have time and time again. And Mina, obviously, for the, for the pass for, for, for Jesus' goal, just shows you that that's the quality that City have. And Newcastle scored a wonder goal against Huddersfield Town. Everyone was raving about it. Well, that happens three or four times every home game at the Etihad. We're scoring goals like that. So I think yeah, you're right, Dan, in terms of defensively, they did get behind the ball. But I actually thought they were brave because they did try at times to stretch the pitch and go toe-to-toe with City. But we know... Did you ever feel under any pressure as a City fan in that game, though? Because I didn't. No. I really didn't. I didn't think the... I mean, other than maybe that Richarlison chance in the first half, you know, a difficult-looking volley, you know, that, that he put over. I just didn't feel like we were ever going to lose that game. And, and again, bearing in mind who we had missing... That that is just testament to the strength of City squad. You know, Bernardo Silva maybe he's a couple of players in the cheesy. I've heard you mention it on the I think yesterday's show that are looking a little bit weary. I think at the minute, you know, Bernardo Silva is one yeah. of them. He's had a lot yeah. of game time. He's been one of the best players this season. I I have to be honest, and I've thrown it out there for the last eighteen months. So I'm not the biggest fan of Kyle Walker, and and I just don't think he defensively is good enough for me. Great going forward. I know he got in team in the season. I'm probably going to get shot down a bit. However, I just don't think Kyle Walker is all that, and I. I think we're starting to see cracks in, in Kyle Walker's game. I think he needs a rest. I think he's definitely one of them players who's played a lot of football and, and needs a rest. I'd like to see Danilo maybe come in for a, for a few more games once he's fit. Um, but I thought overall, this is again, I've got to disagree with Lakey. I thought the... Um, the, the Everton-Liverpool game, I thought Everton could have been three, four up in that game at one point. You know, they really pressed Liverpool in that first half. And I thought, you know, of Jordan Pickford... Oh, I mean, I, ra- I ranted about Jordan Pickford after the game on City Square. I just think he's the most overrated keeper in the Premier League. I think if Everton had any sense after the World Cup, they'd have sold him while his stock was so high. I think he's bang average. I thought he was at fault for Jesus' first goal. And I thought, he obviously, you know, the the, the Merseyside derby, he just gifted, gifted I just, Liverpool the three points. Well, I disagree with that. I think he's I think he's a very good keeper. I think he's a young keeper. He's got a lot to learn. I think his feet can get better and they will get better. He's got a good left peg. I think he's dynamic. I think he's positive. And I think he'll get better and better. So I disagree with you there, mate. But, but yeah, I mean, in terms of looking at us, Dan, looking at how we set up, you're right. Like Kyle Walker, it's really interesting. I often wonder if, because of how Mahrez plays, whether that has a, a, 
a negative effect on how he plays because he's getting forward. And if you remember the game when 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 City played um, away at at Chelsea, obviously we got beat. But Kyle Walker in the game when 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 when, when Kev scored the goal and won one nil, that game he was getting forward time and time again. He was superb. But I think he gets frustrated. And, and I think he's not got great emotional control. And if you remember the game against Hoffenheim, he came on. He tries to outstrength every player he goes up against that shoulder charge. And you're not, there's always someone stronger than you. There always is. Or that moment in time where you're not quite set and someone gets even below your, your kind of your, um, your, your center of gravity or whatever. And he, he thinks that he's, he's got the pace, he's got the strength that he can out everyone. Okay, he's confident. But even against Everton, mate, we saw um, Luckman, he ran him twice. And Kyle Walker is, is all about pace, you know, and, and he was caught on a few occasions. And quite a few players have done him. And like you say, the one thing for me about Kyle Walker, I think he's a very, very good player. But like Zaba, Zaba's got a sense of danger. And I think as a defender, you have to have that. But I don't think Kyle Walker has that. I don't even the goal, the goal that he conceded for the for the penalty in the World Cup shows you he doesn't get on the half turn. He doesn't check. But the difference is because we saw the goal that Everton scored. As as fantastic as Laporte has been this season, he didn't check his shoulder. He didn't know where his man was, and he really was at fault mm. for that goal. But he's a young player still learning. Kyle's 27, 28, you know, and he's still got that element to his game yeah. where you know. Can he get better? Still, of course he can. With Pep, he will get better. But I, I think you are right, Danny. I think in terms of a defender, he still has a fair bit to be desired. Is, the only thing I'd chuck into this, because it's really interesting to listen to, to, to the two of you with the, the different sides of that argument, is the balance that City have in the team at the moment. Obviously, if Mendy was playing, you'd have two flying uh, wing-backs or whatever you want to call them. And without Mendy, you don't have that on the other side because you've got Fabian Delph, who tends to cut in and sit as an extra midfielder. Mm. You've got Zinchenko, who might push forward and sit forward, but he doesn't bomb up and down that wing, does he? Mm. And now, with Mares starting quite a few games on the right-hand side, and this is not me having a go at Mares, although I'm not sure that he fits into a Pep Guardiola team and the sort of quick passing, but we saw when Raheem Sterling first came in, um, and I'm a huge fan these days of, of Raheem Sterling, that when he first came in, he would run down the flank and you go, go on, take him on, and then he'd pass a fairly safe sideways pass. And at the moment, what I'm seeing from Mares is that the ball sticks with him, which is obviously what Pep wants to happen, keep possession. That might be the reason sometimes he gets the nod over Sane, as dangerous as he is. But then he'll check inside and play a square ball. And that, to me, then slows things down and loses the momentum. And the only reason I mention all this is that because of the different dynamics of Sterling sometimes on the left, sometimes on the right, played a false nine at Chelsea, do the fullbacks, and Amarez sometimes is on the right, Sane plays most games, it, it, do the fullbacks have to, having to do too, <laughs> you might say they should do anyway, but too much thinking and too much adapting to different ways of playing, almost game by game because of the different dynamics in front of them. Well, for me, uh, I'll just jump in, Dan, and you can have yours, mate. I just, um, I just feel. I can listen to you all day long, Lakey. Don't worry. We both could. <laughs> but Dan, I don't. I mean, we we know how prepared the players are with Pep, and we talk about each player on the pitch being a quarterback, having that many players in his locker. So whatever tech team you play against, whatever press they adopt, whatever players play on the right side or the left side, your fullbacks will have that condition so they will know how to play, you know, uh, and, and join in with those players. Now, all that Kyle can do, for instance, with, with Myers, Myers comes in a lot and sometimes he will slot him in 
well maybe not often enough the same with regard to Raheem Sterling comes in from the right side he'll, he'll go outside he won't come inside that often so that means that that Kyle all he can do really is support I think Mendy is is a tremendous player and he has got so much to learn but he sometimes has too much thinking time I think when that happens he gets caught sometimes in terms of what what pass he really wants to make but I I think that I actually I actually disagree. I think Mares has I think Mares has got a wonderful football brain, and I think he is the kind of player that plays in a Pep Guardiola side. But I actually feel that Mares could be because David Silva, as we all we all worship David Silva, but someone's got to fit into that number ten slot. You look at the, at Phil, and Phil can be an eight or he can be a ten. But we might even look at Mares to slot into there as well. So you've got interesting options, but I just feel that you've got that much. It's funny, when you compare City to Liverpool, I think the Liverpool have got better defenders who break forward. So they're, they're, but I think we've got defenders who, who think forward first and then defend. And, and I think sometimes when you play against a three with Salah and Mane and whoever, Firmino or whoever, then you've got to be switched on. Kyle Walker in particular has got to be switched on. You know, and again, our left side is a real issue. Because I thought against Chelsea, as good as Fabian Delph has been, I think he was left wanting on quite a few occasions. And that, that means that we have to keep the ball so much better, even though we do, against teams like Chelsea. And most importantly, take our chances. But it would be great to get your thoughts on, on Mendy and, and whether you feel that you know Kyle Walker and Mendy, are, are they actually our best two players? Or would you actually look in those situations to play Laporte wide? And bring Otto Mendy alongside John Stones. No, I I do. I'm a big fan of of Benjamin Mendy. He's a little bit like Kyle Walker, isn't he? Where I don't think he's like you said. There, his first thought is to defend. His first thought is to get forward. But we saw that in what was it, three or four games? He he, he created five assists. He was top of the assist charts. And he played like three games. Um, so you see what value he adds kind of in, in a forward sense but a little bit like you know you know what you're getting with Fabian Delph it's he's a very safe option he'll give you he'll put a shift in he won't do anything too adventurous but 1v1s and he'll, he'll, he'll you know nine times out of ten he'll win it and just going to Mares, I think with Mares, I think we're not seeing the best of Mares yet for me I think you know I, I think I believe Pep's brought him in because Maybe other than Eden Hazard, I think he is the best 1v1 player in the Premier League. And I think there'll be circumstances this season. I think as the season wears on, and bear in mind, he's only been played for four months for, for City. You know, it takes a bit of time. You know, you look at you look at Leroy Sané, didn't hit the ground running. There's plenty of players we could name that haven't kind of hit the ground running. Still got a fair number of goals and fair number of assists for his, yeah. his appearances. But I just think he is a different type of option to what Leroy Sané and, and Raheem Sterling is. And I think that 1v1, I think other than Hazard, I, I think he's the best in the Premier League and I think that'll come to fruition in certain games the more that the season goes on we've still got Champions League to talk about we've still got the game against Leicester to talk about and I want to talk about KDB and right after this an ex-City player is joining us and you two can try and work out who it is right after this right hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I promised we'd have the, the secret footballer, and that's what we're going to call him next. But you know what? We're going to hold that. We're going to hold that. Hold the surprise for you. Um, I want to talk about other things as well now. First of all, I'm going to ask a question, and you can think about this one. Uh, but then we'll talk about the Champions League. Now, tonight... Obviously, Leicester, uh, if you listen to the podcast after the game, you know the answer to this already. But tonight, KDB, in theory, starts. Pep said he would start. After the game against Fulham, City fans, when he got the injury, I think it was in stoppage time, wasn't it, of that game, when the player fell on his leg and it was the other leg from the knee that he originally did. And he went off and he spent this, this time out again. Everybody said, or everybody, a lot of people on social media said, why was he playing him? Why play him in a League Cup tie? Uh, why even keep him on for that long if you were going to play him on a Cup tie? So the question tonight is, should KDB play, be playing in a League Cup quarterfinal at Leicester when you know you've got Palace, Leicester, Southampton, Liverpool all on the horizon over a busy period? Should he be just playing part of it? Should, should, you know, my, my personal view is he's got to have minutes in him. And I think that the two injuries were completely separate. They weren't related to each other. It was just one of those unfortunate things. And he had, didn't he, Danny, get injured in training for the first one? So yeah. what would you do? Not train? Exactly. Exactly. You've got to get minutes on the pitch. I mean, we want Kev fit and sharp. Let's, like like Lakey said before, the build-up to the to the Liverpool game. You know, you want the fully fit, firing squad ready for, for Liverpool. And to do that, he's going to have to play minutes. The, the thing you've got with Kevin De Bruyne, he's such a all-action player. He got injured in the last minute of that game in the left-back position, making a block tackle. And then Fosu bloody Mensa lands lands on his leg. You know, and, and but it kind of is almost a victim of his own dedication to the game. Maybe at that point you're thinking, Kev, just stay up. We're, we're cruising. But that's we're not winning. Pep's fault, but is it? No, it isn't. That's, but that's KDB's hunger for everything on that pitch. And and and, it, and in that instance, it caused the caused the problem. He got the injury. Um, yes, he should start tonight. I think, no, he shouldn't play 90 minutes. And I don't think he will. I think you'll find 70 minutes he'll, he'll get. And it's like a, a Lakey knows far better than I ever will. But I mean, it, surely when you're returning from fitness, you've got to ramp the minutes on the pitch up without overdoing it. You know, well, he played... actually, Lakey, you're a former physiotherapist. You're probably still qualified, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So not only can you tell us from a player's point of view, but also from a physio's, physio's point of view, it, it as a player coming back like that, he did play 90 minutes, didn't he, against Fulham? And, that, and, and it, I bet before the game, Danny... Uh, you'd have said the same. I would have said the same. He probably played 65, 75 But he'd had a tonight. couple of games in the lead up to that, hadn't he? He'd had minutes on a on, couple of... Sub, this yeah. is just once that True. you know, come on True. for 20 minutes. So yeah, I can't yeah. see... I can see 70 minutes tonight. Lake, you, how does that you, work normally? Yeah, well, I mean, I think if, if you've seen over the, the course of the last sort of four or five years, the amount of players that have come from injuries and gone straight into the team... Maybe not played 90 minutes, but I've gone straight into the team because... Ferner does it, doesn't he? Yeah. Ferner does it all the time. Well, because, because back in the day, we had the reserve, so you always had a, that that uh, that build-up to get your confidence, get your timing back. But because of how Pep trains and because of the intensity and because of the, the sports scientific measures that each player has, they know the levels of fitness that they're at. And because these players are world-class, always close to it, 
you know, certainly international players got loads of experience. They know themselves. So to KDB, you know, I think he will play tonight. The interesting thing is, is that because of how the intensity of how Pep trains, players are still going to get injured before the season ends. Hopefully not many and not serious, but it's going to happen because that's how Pep trains. He, he trains how he wants you to play. At the same time, we all know that we've gone to games and thought this is going to be the eleven. And Pep just chucks mm. in a curveball and you're thinking, where's that come from? Yeah. So if he gives Kev the captaincy tonight, which he might do, he might do, in which case he'd probably end up playing 90 minutes and he may even go to extra time, in which case, if that was the case, then he'd probably play again. So we can't second guess it. The one thing that you do know is that when a player pulls on a City shirt now, they are at the level of fitness required. Because all the tests have been done, and like you, like you both said, there were freak accidents, not related, you know, and it was a frustration. And and you know, hindsight's a great thing. But Kevin De Bruyne is just the kind of player that we love at City because he's all action, because you know he's never say dying, because he has that work ethic. And we know that once that that, that can be contagious for players like Mahrez, for players like Bernardo Silva, David Silva in particular, which changed his game from two seasons ago. He now his work rate is incredible. So you, you, if, if you were to shave that and into Kev De Bruyne and get him to sort of say, well, I'll take it easy there, as much as we all want it, Kev De Bruyne wouldn't be the same player. Mm. And we would not have him any other way, would we? Here's, an exam here's two examples on Twitter. One for and against him playing tonight. Um, uh, Nature Boy just says, why risk him? You know, but then, as I said before... You're risking when you just walk down the road when you're training. It's like Lee training. Is it a risk? Because they've done the well, they've done the kind of science behind him being on the pitch. So it's probably not what you know. What a layman like me doesn't have a clue what goes on behind the scenes. I just see players on a pitch. You know, maybe you're looking at it and say it is a risk. Pep ain't going to take a risk with Kevin De Bruyne or, or, or his physio. And if you, I mean, me and you, Danny, we don't get access to watch them train or anything mm. like. Well, neither do you, Lake. I suppose you might do occasionally. No, no, I don't. But but from everything I hear. They train at the same intensity as they play a game. Mm. So this concept that a player turns up, I don't know if it was any different when you played, Lakey, or, or it's been different in the eras. It was and just different. Just guff, was it? Yeah. And they just guff. I, I didn't mean you went through the motions, no, but no. might train at a different intensity yeah. to the game. Mm. But from everything that's been said about Pep, from players, from people around the club, Pep's team trains at an absolute intensity, which you can probably then deduct from watching the games because they're so fit. They do last the 90 minutes. And whilst I know you said before, Danny, that Bernardo Silva might look a little tired and, and sometimes, and, and I, I'm not disagreeing with you just, just, to do it, just to do it on purpose, but sometimes you're seeing a player how you feel. You know what I mean? You transmit yourself when, when you think, oh, you know, he could have done better, that he must be tired. I'm not sure it's tiredness. Well, I, I, I think it's mental fatigue. I think that, that can be part I think of it. That, and it, yeah. lo it looks yeah. like someone's coming. I think even Kyle Walker, certainly Gundogan, you know, uh, against Hoffenheim, looked a little bit. I, I use that expression, battle weary. It's a bit dramatic. That I understand that, but that's what I meant by that. Because, like you say, Bernardo Silva has been at the level. He's been an eight and a nine out of ten for the majority of the season. And to maintain those levels as a young player is difficult. You know, and class never leaves you, but form can dip. It is that that imagination that that. You lose, isn't it? it? It can be, and, and and I did think that that was the case. But at the same time, we've also taken taken into consideration Kevin De Bruyne himself. He'll want to play tonight, regardless of what anybody else thinks. True. He'll mm. be saying, "No, I'm playing tonight." He'll play. He'll, He'll play. play definitely. Yeah. Now, Champions League draw. 
Now, I, I had a personal reason why I wanted uh, the draw that happened, and I'm sure most City fans would have agreed with me anyway, because when you looked at the four potential opponents that City had, even though Ajax, a Dutch club, you would think generally... I know they've got a big name and, and a history in the Champions League years and years ago, but you would probably look at a team from the Dutch league and say that they were the weakest potential opponents. Obviously, Atletico Madrid, Spanish league, great, great current form, etc. Mm -hmm. Roma, Italian sides, always difficult to break down. Schalke and Ajax. And Schalke, but Schalke, first of all, from my point of view, is my second team. It's where my mum was born. So I was so excited. I was whooping around the front room when that draw, that was exactly what I wanted so I can go and see the two legs. Don't get me wrong, 100% want City to win. Um, but to actually go and see the family, be in familiar surroundings for me, and if the worst was to possibly happen, which, by the way, it won't, and City were to lose to Schalke, I'd rather lose, if you're going to lose, to them than anybody else in the world. But also, Schalke have made a poor start to the season. Uh, they sold a couple of good players in the summer. Havedes went, um, who's obviously a German international defender. Um, and they are slowly climbing back up the Bundesliga, probably won't even qualify for Europe next season. So I would say now is a good time. I know it's February. Now is a good time to draw them. So that's where I stand. Yeah. I'm guessing you, you, you wanted Schalke, did you? I wanted Schalke, absolutely. I mean, based on you know the form and, and where they are in the Bundesliga, you know, this is really a team we should be, you know, should be very much capable of beating. Hopefully put the tie to bed in the first leg rest a few for the second leg that's the, the dream scenario never works like that but when I looked at the other options you know you look at Atletico Madrid you were thinking you just know what you're going to get it's going to be a boring game it's going to be tight it's going to be very defensive from their side it'll be a matter of us trying to break them down and we don't generally play well against teams like Madrid when they've got the likes of maybe Costa and Griezmann that they can they can counter-attack hit us on the break so I'd a bit, been a bit nervous with Atletico Madrid as much as I still would have seen us going through Roma would have been great purely because I don't think they're as good as, as they have been but it would have been nice to have had Kolarov and uh, Jekko back um, which would have been great Would the crowd now, have still have sung the Eddie and Jekko I think song? so we still <laughs> sing it now don't we I, I, and, and then Ajax would have been just a footballing masterpiece wouldn't it because they love to play football I'd love to have a, a more of an up close and personal look at um, De Jong you know because I've seen bits of him I'd love to see him live in action uh, so that would have been and plus I don't know if you went I'm sure you did cheesy a few seasons ago to, uh, to Ajax uh, it's, uh, it, Amsterdam is just great, isn't it? So, well, actually, we booked we booked for Schalke Lakey, so we've already done it, but we're going via Amsterdam, so we're spending a night in Amsterdam <laughs> and then getting a train from Amsterdam to Gelsenkirchen. So, uh, bring I've it got, on. I've got to tell you that as much as, as Gelsenkirchen is a, is a special place for me, uh, of the venues, Madrid, Rome and Amsterdam... It is the worst venue. I mean, as an actual place, yeah. I don't want to diss my own mum's hometown, right. but it's just an ordinary town. There's nothing You're special. You're getting no Brockverse when you go around after that. <laughs> uh, I love it, but I think most people will be based in Dusseldorf or, like you, Amsterdam or wherever. Yeah. But what about the, the game? I mean, it mm. is the one every... I know nobody can take anything for granted and the second legs at the Etihad, but it is the one everybody wanted, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Before going any further, do we, should we be calling you Cheeseman? How do we Kaiserman? I've actually Kaiserman. got a Schalke shirt at home with Kaiserman on the Kaiserman, back. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Superman, Kaiserman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in terms of like you say, how Schalke have been this season? Obviously, they lost the first four games and they, they have struggled. And they had the derby recently against Dortmund, and and it was it was close. It was close. Obviously, uh, you know they they got they got beat. They played against Nuremberg recently and drew one one. 
There's something like 16th, aren't there, something like that, in the, in the league at this moment in time. And, and Bayern beat them 2-0 at, at a canter, second gear. So you'd like to think, as, as Dan said there, that... that it's going to be. It's, it's not. It's not going to be easy because there's no. In the last sixteen, there's never going to be an easy, easy game. But it's by far and away the best draw. So for years and years, we've been we've been criticising the fact that we've always had the worst draws, and it's just it's just a breath of fresh air to get that. That said, there's no complacency, not not from Pep anyway. And I mean, when you go away from home, yeah, and and go away from home first, you want to put the tie to bed, and that's how Pep will be. Obviously, the league to come back to is is massively uh, significant, and and I feel as though it could be the right time then to really push on. But certainly, looking at um, at, at Schalke and and how they set up, you do feel there's going to be obviously playing with City is going to be goals in it. But at the same time, um, they 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 have managed to kind of just hold the line and be so defensively minded when they want to. I've seen a few games this season where it's been 1-1 and 0-0 or whatever, and, and they, they, they can keep it tight. And as we saw against Hoffenheim away, every team can score goals if you let them. So you've got to be absolutely bang on the money. But uh, we've all said it, and we all couldn't believe it, but Schalke has got to be probably the, the dream tie for, for us, not only to go through, but to really pick up our momentum and goal-scoring form as we go into the final eight. What I will say is German crowds are always very passionate, very noisy. They don't allow in the they don't allow the standing behind the goal, of course, in Europe. So the capacity comes down by about five or six thousand, and they put seats in at that end. What is but the capacity? At it, normally it's sixty one and a bit, right. so it'll come down to maybe about fifty five. And the the thing that people won't notice, which I'm sure I'll talk about a little bit nearer the game, is that. The seats are not these uh, safe standing or rail seating. It's old-fashioned terracing. And they literally, and this is incredible when you think about it, they handball all the seats in and bolt them into position for the European games. They still stand up at that end <laughs> in the seats, but they've, they've got to meet the requirements. And then after the game, they unscrew them all, put them back in a warehouse around the corner, and it goes back to being a terrace again. It's sounds unbelievable. Like Pete, sounds like Peter Swales used to work there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, the or Ed Woodward. Well, they don't like that. The, the, certainly the Schalke fans, and there's a lot of other German teams, don't do it. Don't. I mean, it happens at Dortmund too. They don't like the rail seating, the safe standing, which I know is something that we've talked about before, and no doubt we'll talk again, because a lot of people want it to return to this country don't they and if City extend the north stand as it, they're going to do so why did uh, Celtic why did they get away with it when we played them a couple of seasons ago I, I assume they it's because they're in Scotland area, yeah right? presumably it's because it's yeah. Scottish yeah. different sort of Scottish FA yeah. Um, yeah, it is strange that that and and they you quite right. Danny, created. I mean, I, I mean, like you, Cheesy. I've I've been to the majority of the European away games and domestic away games. You know, I went to Anfield last season. The biggest myth in the world. You know, they're all right when they're winning, but it's quiet as a mouse other times. You're right. Celtic was another level. That was intense, and that's what got a pretty average side a good result against us because I think the intimidation of the atmosphere, and I think there's an element of that with the the safe standing. I mean, I'm a I'd love to see it back. I'd lo- I mean, I sit in the south, or stand in the south stand. You know, I don't think I've ever sat in my seat in since I've been in the stadium. You know, everybody stands up in that end, and mm-hmm. and I think it does as much as it's maybe a little bit sterile. These modern stadiums, I do think the safe standing would. would well, that's a, another debate. Though. Just a quick line before we end that debate and move on to our surprise footballer. Um, but he did his put- best Al Jolson uh, <laughs> impersonation. Jazz hands, then. jazz hands. If you can see them on the video, but I think they're, they're going to introduce standing and they introduce rail seating where you're actually allocated a position. 
it doesn't achieve what I think it needs to achieve, which is the old days of being able to, on the kip axe, yeah, where you can in. meet your mates. Watching Lakey. Yeah. Watching, I'm giving him an Watching Lakey every week. Oh, my word. They were anyway, that's another debate, as you say, for another day. So, the surprise footballer is on the way, hopefully, after this. So here we go then, and uh, I promised you a surprise footballer, and we've got one right now. Uh, now, just keep quiet, if you would, surprise footballer, um, and we'll ask these two lads in the studio to try and work out who you are. So go on, Danny, what's your question? Is it just a yes or no thing, this, is it? Yes, that's your question. Oh, what? <laughs> that doesn't count. Is he, did he play in the 90s? Uh, did he play in the 90s? Uh, he did play in the 90s, yes, but other decades as well. Is it Paul Walsh? No. Right. Is it Richard Etchell? <laughs> no. I've given up. You said two questions. Right, OK. <laughs> well, uh, uh, the ask, clues weren't ask great, him a question, then you'll hear his voice as well. Go and ask a question. Uh, Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to speak to us, haven't you? This has been built up. So, so. are you, are you uh, an, an FA qualified UEFA coach? Who, me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. B licence. <laughs> B licence. Not a clue. That does not help me in any right. way. Right. Well, I'll tell you that he was at the game uh, at the weekend, and that's where I saw him. And is it Fitzroy Simpson? It is Fitzroy Simpson. Oh, Simo, Simo, Simo. Right, there you go. Thank you, thank you. What's going on? <laughs> you can get it from that. Right, Fitzroy, what did you think of the game? I mean, it was a, it was a game you were at. I mean, the result was good, but I mean, I'm sure that there's, um, from the Man City I've seen on the TV and previously, uh, they've seen them better, but they've done enough, mate. They're world class. Who stood out for you? Is there a player that you admire? Because on Saturday, when I saw you at half time, I said that Leroy um, Sane song was perfectly scanned for Fitzroy. Fitzroy Simpson goes down the <laughs> wing for me. That would be perfect, wouldn't it? I don't know. Sane was okay. On actually, again, I mean, he's a world class player. They're, they're all world class, but um, even to his own admission, I'm sure he's been better than that. You know, but yeah, as I say, they've done enough. They had more in the locker than Everton. And uh, for me, going down the wing, it would be at least twice a game, and then that's it. So, Simo, in in today's game, if you will, would you would you see yourself more as a number ten or as a number eight? Um, number eight. Yeah. Uh, I'd prefer to be number eight. At least I can try and kick someone as well. <laughs> You're not allowed anymore. <laughs> I um, know. <laughs> them days are gone, Simo. But um, I mean, obviously, we had you down on on City Square. It was great to see you. You know, again, like like with Lakey, somebody I respected on the pitch. I mean, what what I mean when you look at the, the way that the club's changed, Simo, since your time. I mean, you know, you, you know, again, you must come and and see. You know, the success we're having. It you must be, it must be unbelievable for you to be able to kind of come back. And this is a totally different club to maybe the one that you left. It is, mate. It's, a, it's an international club, you know, um, on a global stage. I mean, I mean, every player says world class. You know, it's. I mean, you've got the best coach, you've got your best supporters as always, best facilities. Their 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 league is really your Barcelona's, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Man United, Liverpool's, and that lot. You know, it's a totally different transformation. And the thing is, which is really scary, is they have to maintain that now because the generation of supporters um, are used to that. Champions League semi-finals, winning the Premier League—they're used to that. I mean, we tried our best, but uh, this is a, um, a totally different, different, different globe. Well, you know, Simo, we talked about um, different managers, and obviously, you've heard about Mourinho today. But certainly, in terms of Pep Guardiola and and that philosophy, do, 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 do you see that 
if a if into well, obviously Pep's not going to be here forever. But do you think that there's other managers, even Arteta, can pick the pick up the uh, baton and carry on and maintain a similar intensity like you've seen with Barca, you've seen with Bayern Munich? They've still been able to carry on his philosophy, albeit to a modified degree. Is that going to be possible in the Premier League? Do you think? I d- I don't know. I mean. Um... The noisy neighbours across the road, they've struggled since one of the greatest managers of all times departed. You know, they've tried to fill that gap. I think with Pep now, we're, we've got to move over the earth to try and make him a permanent fixture. But do they do that now? Because I, I don't know. I don't know. You've got Pochettino down there building his legacy down at Tottenham. You don't know. You, I mean, I think we're very fortunate to have the best coach in the world. And I think that players want to play for him. And if they want to play, you get at least 5% more out of him, honestly. It seems to have a title race like no other of you. I know you've got to go in a second, Fitzroy, so I'll just ask you this one more question. Obviously, City and Liverpool are head-to-head at the moment. It's unprecedented that the few number of points that each team is dropping. Do you think this is going to go all the way to the end? Is, and Lakey was suggesting that City-Liverpool on January the 3rd could, could actually be decisive. It could be. I mean, I mean it's unbelievable the amount of victories them two teams have had. But it's not surprising because they're a golf apart from anyone else. I think it's going to go to the wire. Even if, you know, I think it's definitely going to go to the wire. Well, you know, it's not a defining game that um, City-Liverpool, but I'll tell you what, they're going to be there. I'm, I'm, just, I'm still backing City to win it, but they're not going to go away. Liverpool, no chance. Well, I know I'm, I speak for Danny as well, but for, for us two to have the pleasure of your company at the weekend was great. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you. I'll let you get back to your coaching session. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers, Cheers Fitzroy Simpson. Right, so there you go. I thought you'd have got it quicker. I could that, have guessed that because we had him at City Square. I could yeah. have, and usually Cheesy will uh, he'll get one of them at the City Square guys because they're in and around the club. So. You said coaching with, with, with young, young, young boys or at school or whatever. So I thought of Edgy because I know he's, he does that sometimes as well. So. Sean Gota does that. Oh, yeah, Gota does it. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about uh, the Leicester game. Now, the League Cup as a subject is, uh, is an interesting one. Uh, my lad, you know, as I'm, as I'm coming down to, to record this tonight before you and I, uh, Danny, go off to Leicester, not together, you know, but we are going to go to Leicester, um, says, well, not playing again, are they? So quickly. The games just keep coming thick and fast. Um, and obviously it's a concern of too many games, too many competitions, too much intensity. I suspect tonight, and by the time you listen to this, you probably know what the team is. Phil Foden will start. There'll be a few changes. However... It's another game. Is it a game City could do without? Oh, no. I don't think we can we can be in that position where we become arrogant around Cups. I mean, we've gone through too many years of winning absolutely nothing. You know, I remember back, just be, I think it was just as the money came in, maybe that first season and we got to the semi-final of the League Cup and we played United home and away. Do you remember? It was part yeah. of the uh, of the Blue Moon Rising uh, DVD and you were on it, you know, and, the, 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 and I remember your face and I remember what you said and it was pure dejection that we'd been beaten in this Cup. I think we've got to take every competition seriously. Absolutely, 100%. And we've got the squad depth to be able to do it and not be too have too much of an effect. I mean, obviously, it's a bit different at the moment with the injuries we've got. But, you know, we've got a strong squad. You know, he can afford to rest four, five, six tonight. And I'm sure Leicester will do the same. And I, th- I think it'll still be a team that will go out there and win it. I-, I mean, how good is it to get to Wembley? How good is it to lift a cup? You know, what momentum does that early cup give? 
give you for the rest of the season. I think there's so many boxes that winning and, and competing in the in the League Cup ticks. Um, so I'm all behind it. I think we need to go all out and, and try and win it. I'm only and like Kev says, Kev says, cheesy, we're going to do, we're aiming for the quadruple this season. He got asked a direct question and he answered it. Oh, don't so, say it's that. a big, Kev says it, but why not go for it? Set your ambitions as the quadruple. Why not? What, what's wrong? We're I'm, in it all. We're favourites for them all. I'm playing devil's advocate here, right? Because I do tend to agree with what you're saying, Danny, but there's a two-leg semi-final in January as well. Next season, I think it goes down to one leg as they're introducing that that winter break yeah, and, and trying yeah. to create an extra week and everything. But this year, it's still two legs. So that would mean that there would still be four games in this competition. I think the Everton game, if I'm right, at Goodison Park, would then be moved away from the weekend to midweek to accommodate a League Cup final if City were to go all the way. That does... Although I, I, I do really agree with what you're saying, Danny, and, and win every game and every competition you can, there is that little bit of a nagging doubt at the back of my mind thinking, if they not lose tonight, you know, is, is that not maybe a slight no. blessing in disguise? No, no. No, well, I, I think that, as Dan said there, I mean, in terms of the players, they want to play every game, they want to win. You'd rather play games than, than train as well. But... These players now are conditioned into this type of a season. It happened last season, you know, with 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 the trophies and the games in midweek and, and the games changing, and and it's part and parcel now of of, a, of an elite athlete is that he's going to expect to have that many games. And certainly, Pep Guardiola will go out there to win absolutely everything. You know, that's infectious. You know, there's a real positivity and a mindset so much so that the players almost have taken it to a level themselves, and Pep's just ticking them over. So. For me, I, what I like is the fact that younger players will be given a chance to shine. I'm really impressed. Um, and, yeah, Phil's going to get in there now. Obviously, we don't know what score was with Brahim Diaz still do, we? whether you've heard anything different. But certainly there's players of that calibre which will be getting a chance to really you know, set the players alight, in which case Pep may not have any alternative but to bring that player in because they are playing so well. So there are those opportunities too. But I just think that in terms of momentum, it, you know, it, it's not spoken of enough, really, because you know, winning every single game, winning silverware, having those experiences, it just it just energizes the team to want more and more and more. And and wow, with Kevin De Bruyne saying that, then that's going to be the mindset because he's not. I, I don't think Kevin's particularly arrogant. Man, I think he's quite level-headed and he's he's quite a humble guy. But if he's saying that, then that's the intent of the squad. So he'll be speaking on behalf of the squad when he says that. And I think he six... was asked a direct question and he kind of said, well, well, we're in all four, so why would we not aim for all four? And I think that was more the answer. That's I don't think answer, he's, I don't think he's a headline of Kevin De Bruyne says we're going to win the quadruple. He's not, Somebody he's will asked, make that answer. Of course, of course we will, but we, but we know that. And I think we've, we've seen it every season. Pep, you know, when we were unbeaten, he was... He, they, as a, did you even talk about being, going unbeaten all season, no. Lakey, with your no. circle of friends? No, I never, no. ever did. It was never something I considered. You know, would you... Would, would you be? I mean, if if Liverpool went unbeaten all season, but we we were in the league by four points, would you really be that bothered? No. I mean, ultimately, it's about getting victories and, getting, and and being sat top of the table at the end of the season. Whether you go, whether we lose another three games and do that, I'm not really fussed. The football social continues, of course, all throughout the Christmas and New Year period with a few little gaps. But this is the last dedicated City Hour before New Year, actually, uh, because Christmas Day and. New Year's Day is the one after that. So uh, as we come towards the end of 2018, I have to say that this has been the most marvellous dreams year of football yeah. that I've ever seen. Can it ever be beaten? And what, what, What's your wish for 2019? Well, 
I, I, I think it can be beaten. I think we've got the right manager in charge to, to, to go beyond what we've achieved in 2018. You know, as we all are, we're mad blues. We, we, never, we have to pinch ourselves to, to what we're seeing at the moment, football-wise, personnel-wise, manager, you know, but not even just that. Beyond that, the club, the infrastructure, you know, you look across the road at United and it just looks like a shambles. And I, and I, don't, and I, and I mean that. I'm not even poking fun at them with that. You know, I think United fans would agree their club is right. The, the 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 light years behind where we are at the moment, and 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 that's what's so exciting. You know, these uh, Abu Dhabi guys who are apparently just going to come in, get bored, and leave. You know, there's no sign of that. I think these are going to push the club. Even if they did this, now, well, the we're established now. Yeah. But but they they'll have no ambition to go anywhere. You know, they're going to want to push this club even further. Um, and enjoy the ride. I mean, 2018 is has been a brilliant year, but I think there's more to come. You got a wish for 2019, Lakey? Yeah, I think it's a combination of of all of our all of our key players. If if there are key players that's, staying that's fit, the key wish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah everybody of all fit. those players staying fit. At the same time, for for us to to really step up to Champions League now, because I think that's what everyone really is crying out for, and everyone then can put to bed the fact that they'll always compare. You know, teams and say that we haven't got that history or whatever because of Champions League. We're so close. You know, we can, you can almost taste it. But we need to make sure that you know that that we we keep the players fit. That that, that and we are lucky in that regard. Because for Champions League, we'll, we will need David Silva. We will need Kevin De Bruyne, I believe, to be at our absolute best. And if, if that happens and we have a, a full complement of our, of our best players and our best starting eleven, because we've all got our opinions of that, I do believe that we're, we're going to be pushed on by, 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 by Liverpool. And it's really exciting that. But I think we'll just nick that. But the Champions League, for me, would be the absolute ice on the cake. And that would be the next step for us. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for downloading. Don't forget to comment. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe to the podcast. Thanks very much to Danny. To Natalie, of course, isn't here tonight, but Natalie's part of this as well. To Lakey and from myself, a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy Blue Year.